Welcome to the Rediscovering Your Creative Self podcast, where you get a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation for your creative practice. The dreaded 50-50 ratio. So what do I mean by that? The dreaded 50-50 ratio is sort of a terms that we use uh, in art to remind ourselves of how to make a picture impactful. It is a graphic language that we're doing as artists. And when we balance things out, when things are 50-50, then we lose a sense of impact. And one analogy I like to um, use with students is it's kind of like if we took a tennis ball and we were to throw that tennis ball fairly hard against a wall to the point that we want that ball to come back to us um, almost in the same force that we um, that it, that we threw it. In order to do that, to, for ha to have that tennis ball come back to us or come back to the viewer in a very forceful way, we actually have to throw it much harder, okay, in order to do that. So when we make pictures, we need to make sure that what it what it is that we're doing, that if we say something, we say it like we mean it, okay? We're not just kind of saying it or a little bit saying it, but we say it like we mean it, whatever it is that we're doing. And it really runs the gamut in all kinds of form of composition, of texture, of color, of um, you know, warms and cools, lights and darks. So it really runs the gamut of how we use this um, this this ratio. So the most um, easiest way to think about it is just thinking about one third, two thirds. So if you've got one third dark, two thirds light, or vice versa, one third texture two-thirds not texture or vice versa. Um, you know, one-third predominantly warm, you know, cool. All of those things um, are kind of important. One-third background, two-thirds figure or vice versa. So the deadly 50-50 ratio happens when we have half of something and half of something else that are the opposite. To have some kind of graphic impact or some kind of visual punch, we have to do um, a, 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 a harder punch on one for something to kind of come back on the other. We want our audience to graphically communicate with our work. I think as illustrators, I also think as fine artists. And um, one of the things that I hear all the time for people that sell in galleries is their work um, that sells are the ones that the audience feels. They feel something from it. Something's been communicated. It may even be slightly different or very different than what the artist intent, but they're feeling something. And that's what's important. They're connecting with the work. And connecting with the work happens because we are attracted through that graphic communication, okay, in the form of picture making. Because we're doing two-dimensional abstraction to create an experience, okay? So, if something is 50-50, it's not powerful enough. Whatever power you put in one, you canceled it out with the other. 
Okay. So it just depends on how uh, we want to lead. If we want to two thirds, very dark and, you know, uh, you know, highly uh, textural image. And then we have this just essence of light, this small one third essence of light coming through. We're going to get the feeling of being in that dark space. Okay. But if we have half the picture light and half the picture dark, we don't know where we are. Okay. We're in the, 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 the no man's land. Okay. The other thing that's important, and this kind of comes because no matter if we're illustrators or um, fine artists, our work gets reproduced. And when we look at any form of original art, okay, whether, uh, you know, we, it's dimensional or whatever, we photograph that work. We go from the human eye, which can see, you know, millions of colors, you know, the human eye looking at an original piece of art, we can see millions of colors to photographing it okay so that now starts to sharp you know change that gamut and tonal range down even more and then we bring it in on the computer okay and then we bring it to uh four color printing so it went from you know millions of colors to hundreds of colors and what I mean by tonal and gamma ranges, tonals are the you know the the, the tones of the piece and the gamut of the color range so we get a, an incredible gamut and tonal crunch that happens from what the human eye can see down to what you see in a catalog or a book. And if we don't have the ability to understand graphic impact and make some choices about, you know, um, that one third, two thirds in, in color and value and all those things, those choices that we make, then our images, when they finally get reproduced, can be just completely washed out like lack of impact. And I think for me, having the ability to be originally trained as an illustrator, I was always aware um, that my art was going to be seen and judged in the you know final piece being the printed page. So I always had an awareness of what I needed to do, how much more I needed to pop out certain values, how much more I needed to push um, my, that one-third, two-thirds uh, kind of thing. A couple of uh, little tricks that fine artists use are um, using, a, and, and illustrators too, is using a, we've heard of a magnifying glass, okay? There is also a demagnifying glass, okay? So I have a demagnifying glass where I can look at my piece because sometimes your studio's not that big that if you have a big piece you can't step that far back okay and and it doesn't even matter because you can be working on a small piece and it, the demagnifying glass works fantastic it shrinks your piece down and when your piece gets shrunk down you can then analyze your piece of like oh wow that whole area just dropped out or that area is too busy and i need to simplify that because graphic communication, that strong sense of shape and value in our work, you have heard of the no trend pattern where we simplify things just to get graphic impact. It makes it easier to look at your work and say, wow, I need to drop that whole background darker. I would take all those values that I'm kind of pussyfooting around with and just solidify them you know, bring them closer in range. You know, the great Howard Pyle always used to say, you know, to, to keep things that are in the, the, the darks 
you know, the, the mid tones and the lights and, and really keep those things um, in clusters. Okay. Keeping those things in clusters and the darkest dark against the lightest light should be in the most important part of your picture. And that's another thing. And looking at your work, when you use the demagnifying glass, you can then look at it and say, Hmm, that's not an important area. And I'm giving a lot of contrast in that area. Maybe I got to fix that. Another thing artists do is we squint, okay? If you really squint down on something, you can actually start to see the clusters, the clusters of grayscale, the cluster of dark, and the cluster of light. There are also um, these little lenses that you can get, glasses that you can get that will take out color. So you can just see value called value specs. You can see just value. And of course, squinting will help to, to minimize the um, multitude of values into your clusters. And then you can see what do I need to bring closer together. The other thing that's nice in picture making is when we lose a sense of edge. And a sense of edge is when areas of the dark um, go into the transitional halftones, or you might have areas of light that go into a light background. Well, the eye puts in an edge. And having loss of edge is such an eye candy. It is just makes things have such a melodic feel to it. It's beautiful. It's very atmospheric. Those are things that through looking through our um, demagnifying glass or, you know, the um, squinting techniques really helps us to do that. Another thing that artists do um, is they will put uh, a mirror uh, behind their head. Some of them have one that's attached to a wall so they can turn around, look at the mirror, squint and look at their pictures. When you look at your picture upside down and squint or um, in a mirror and squint, it changes the way the brain has gotten fixed on looking at that picture and it will see things that it didn't see before. So those are all wonderful kind of tricks. If you have a smaller studio and I have a huge, like, you know, floor to ceiling uh, cathedral window that's almost the entire size of the wall behind me, um, I used to use the hand mirror and I can, you know, use the hand mirror and turn around and look at my picture and squint. And those things will be very helpful. Other things that you can do is you can use your phone and you can take a picture of your work and then bring it into the um, phone or into your computer, depends on what you have for apps, and make it grayscale. The grayscale will then show you where the real values are because color, you can have multiple colors to make things kind of pop, but if the values aren't there, that's the real pop, okay? That's the real Thing that's going to make that picture hold together. So what you do by changing it to black and white, you can see, well, geez, that really flattened right out. How can I fix that? If you're using Photoshop, you can put a layer on there called levels. And you want to use the top um, slider, not the bottom slider, and play first with the um, dark slider and then the light slider. Try not to touch too much of the midtones although you can if you think it's it's necessary. And then you will see if you change the values in your picture to what you have um, created in your little comprehensive sketch that you did um, of your piece um, using the computer, you can make a stronger piece. 
Okay, you can start to analyze it. Now I've got this, wow, this great movement of, you know, deep darks that kind of have an echoing of that one third of lights. Okay. And the wonderful thing about using layers is that you can take your value um, levels layer off and then you can see um, uh, you know, what's happening with the color. So you also, you need to make your picture black and white as a, lay a layer, and then you take the black and white layer off, and then you can see the color with the levels, okay? So you can see the levels with color and the levels with black and white. So these are all helpful tools that will um, help you to see the overall pictorial graphics, the pictorial dynamics of the images that you make. Okay, so if we are looking at line, okay, so if we're just in a line drawing of our art, okay, something very, very simple, just line. Do I have thick and thin lines? Do I have um, in my composition half of one type of shape and half of the other? You know, one of the things when I was studying myself in an MFA program, I did a master's thesis on the art of montage and pictorial dynamics uh, in graphic design uh, ways of picture making. So I have a vast knowledge through that study. We had to do quite an extensive thesis, um, not only looking at how pictures were done, but it did live interviews of artists who were very good at it. Some of the major motion picture artists, Juice Juzan, my goodness, I did. I had them all. I had um, people who did some of the most famous uh, Broadway play posters. You know, we had Heindel who did graphics. And um, I mean, the an extensive list of artists. I think I had about 21 of them actually. And that's in addition to historical things and other stuff. So when you're looking at pictures, yes, it's a picture of a cat, but there's also an underlying pictorial dynamic that's going there. And you're using the cat to bring eye flow and contrast and warms and cools and color and energy. Okay, because we're trying to create something that moves people in some way, you know, whether that's simple illustration, very, very simple, but powerful. Or it's a very complex illustration, which we've got a lot of things we've got to handle. You know, Robert McGinnis, another one that was in that thesis project, very famous for um, his very complex 007 posters, you know, from what the 70s or whatever. And all of the elements that he had to put into those pictures uh, by, you know, for, you know, covers and other things that he did. So when we have the art of editing and we look at a very um, strong movie poster and you've got the big head and, you know, some background stuff. And, you know, I'm thinking of like, you know, Michael Dudash's work um, and, of course, Juice Duzan, who's one of the most famous people who's ever to do movie posters. How do you make those things all work in one picture? If everything, all the heads are the same size or the car, if it has a car in it and the car is the same length or shape or size as the head and, and we have too much of the same notes, if we have too much of the same notes, then what happens with that is we get a sense of, if we were doing music, for instance, it's kind of like, bong, bong, 
bong, bong, bong, it becomes very boring because the the notes are at the same tone and they're not there's no real big splash in our music, no fluid little things that happen in our music. So those are things that I think when we're moving in our art for pictorial dynamics, we ask ourselves, do I have too much little things? Okay. Not enough bigger things to kind of accent that out. Those are all the things that we need to think about when we're analyzing. So just as a recap, we're looking at linear quality. We're looking at value. We're looking at color in terms of hue and temperature. We're looking at shape. All right. We're looking at format. Okay, if we're doing an elongated format, we change our, our dreaded 50-50 ratio in some way. So all of the things that have to do with picture making, you know, the overall compositions and the subjects and everything that we're doing, the foreground, the background, those are things that we're going to look at and ask ourselves, are we in that dead, dreaded 50-50 ratio? So next time you are working on your pictures and you um, are at a, a point where you're not in your flow and you've taken a break and you want to sit down, stand back from your work, possibly look at it in a mirror, squint, use some of the techniques um, you know, that I talked about. And if you have a demagnifying glass, that's great too. And ask yourself all those questions. Can I make that picture stronger by making a change? And am I hitting that dreaded 50-50 ratio? Have a great week. And as always, create from the heart. This audio series is part of my Navigating the Labyrinth of the Creative Mind Patreon endeavor. The site uniquely intermixes self-reflection and personal storytelling with exploratory mixed-media techniques and expressive approaches to art making, elevating the creative consciousness and guiding each person on his or her own path to discovering the creative spark that resides within. Check us out at www.patreon.com slash Lisa L. Seer. And that's spelled C-Y-R.